0: Hi, I'm Austin. I'm Alex. And you were listening to One Last Breath, an autopsy of awful albums. Where we discuss controversial, bizarre, divisive, and downright abysmal albums. Today we're talking about Green Day's 13th studio album, Father of All, also known as Father of All Motherfuckers. Now, you Re- don't need that many albums. They eh. like, stopped at like 10. Eh. I mean, for Green Day, They sake, should have stopped yeah. at 12, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> uh, released in February of 2020. This album, it, it was a change from the American Idiot-esque approach the band took with 2016's Revolution Radio, after the 2012's Uno Trilogy, which, you know, kind of, we'll get to it later, but kind of kinda over-inflated, over, it state its welcome It but, was three albums in what, the course of a year? In the course of four months. That's, that's too much. <laughs> that's ridiculous. We'll get to it. But... In fact, Father of All was a return to the garage rock style the band explored on the second entry of the Uno Trilogy, Dose, as well as their side project, Foxborough Hot Tubs. Before the um, album's... What, what a band name. You, you never heard of that? No. You never heard of Foxborough Hot Tubs? No. They, what a fucking band name. I was about to say, they only had one out. I mean, it's literally just all the members of it's Green It's just Day. Green Day. It's, 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 it's like, just, um... Creed—it's like the Creed album that's not Creed. What is that band? Uh, Alter Bridge. Alter Bridge, where it's just Creed without Scott Stapp. Yeah, but then I mean, this is literally Creed. just this fucking is- Green Day. Like, it's no different members. <laughs> but, well, it's because they don't have Scott Stapp. <laughs> yeah, you will be interesting on that. But yeah, it's—I think they—they they did have just one album for a long time. I think it came out in like 2008. But then I think two or three years ago they released a the second album. so okay. I—it's been a while since I've heard anything. You know, it's—it's it's pretty decent, but. Uh, But yeah, it was kind of a garage rock style. Okay. Uh, Before the album's release, lead singer and guitarist Billy Joe Armstrong said the band wanted to make sort of an old-timey rock and roll record that traces the history of rock and roll. He stated that the album was inspired by glam rock acts such as T-Rex or Mata Hoople to Martha and the Vandellas and also some garage rock. Father of All feels like it's somewhere between Prince and MC5. (laughs) Not. I, don't, um, I wouldn't say that's that's a very accurate assessment. <laughs> if you are somebody who is not a fan of Prince or MC5, sure. Uh, uh, if you have never listened to Prince or MC5 in your life, yeah, it's somewhere in between the two. Yeah, if you just kind of have heard the names but not really, yeah. Listened I mean, to Father them. of All is a it's it's a longer name than Prince and MC5, and it makes more sense than MC5 and less sense than Prince, so it's right there in the middle. <laughs> The change in style was met with mixed to negative reviews from critics, but the fan response was and remains overwhelmingly negative, with many fans questioning the decision to harken back to an older rock style, the juvenile lyrical content, the cringe-inducing album promotion, which <laughs> I don't know if you've seen any, seen no. any of that, but no. but later on we'll we'll get to oh we'll get to that, and especially the artwork, which butchers the iconic American Idiot cover art. Is but, that what that's supposed to be? What do you mean? Wait, it literally has the heart like a, a hand grenade. It's it's Sorry, fucking. I haven't looked at it you really haven't that looked close. At it? Yeah, it's literally just the heart with, but it's like zoomed in to where you oh can't see my the hand grenade. God. It's just the arm, and then it says yeah, I where, see where, it where the now. unicorn is. It, that says motherfuckers. So that's like the censored version of it. I see it. It, it just looked like. I mean, I, just I it was could a see that. Unicorn with like a weird white stripe. I was like, I, I could see that oh, because they're trying like, to be yeah, the white stripe. Yeah, because I mean, the fucking you can barely see the heart, yeah. the hand grenade heart. It's just like the bottom of it and the blood trails going down. So okay, um, that's it, terrible. It, it looks like a shitty. That's fucking awful. It, it, it looks uh, like fucking two thousands internet clip art. That's a graphic design of my passion. Ass album cover. Yeah. So that that was a big, uh, still is a big meme on the Green Day subreddit. <laughs> Okay, so formed in 1987 as Sweet Children by lead vocalist and guitarist Billy Joe Armstrong, bassist Mike Dirnt, and drummer John Kiffmeyer, Green Day has never been a stranger to controversy, which changes in style and bold career choices often turning away fans. The band emerged from the Blooming Bay Area punk scene in California, becoming regular performers at 924 Gilman Street, a popular punk venue in Berkeley. In 1988, Larry Livermore, owner of an indie record label lookout Records signed the band to his label and in april of 1989 they released their first ep entitled a thousand hours shortly before they dropped the ep they changed their name to green day to avoid confusion with fellow local band sweet baby the band chose the new name because of their love for smoking marijuana Uh, did sweet baby ever go anywhere no i looked which i i didn't even i mean i knew that their name was sweet children because as we'll get to green day is like yeah, My favorite your, band your of all time. Band, right. I have a fucking Green Day tattoo on my leg. But I I didn't know that that's why they changed their name. But I looked at the band's Wikipedia page. I think they just had one or two albums. But they did like release studio albums? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to listen to Sweet Baby. Yeah, and it actually had uh, really good reviews. I am it, a Barbecue Sauce fan, so I'm all for it. <laughs> sweet Baby Ritz. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Sweet Baby Ray's origin story was in 924 Gilman Street. <laughs> uh, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, but yeah, Green Day released their debut album Thirty Nine Smooth in 1990, as well as two EPs, Slappy and Sweet Children. In 1990, John Kiffmeyer left the band to attend college so the band recruited drummer trey cool who was playing in larry livermore's aptly titled band the lookouts hmm. lookout records okay. The Lookouts. I mean. yeah <laughs> was it like a record label supergroup kind of or just it was literally fucking the larry livermore and then trey cool and then I, I don't know who the other two people one or two people were i don't know if it was a three or four piece Weird. but i think that they Her. were because trey cool was only like 16 or something and yeah. larry livermore was in like his 30s so it was I just mean, this 30 year old dude the late 80s early 90s it seems about right yeah this 30 year old dude was just like oh yeah let me find you, these these little teenagers and we'll just do this punk band that's yeah, named after my record label you just <laughs> have to play music with who you want to and also if yeah. some 30 year olds like hey i have a record label you want to play my band you, you say yes <laughs> yeah but yeah i think they had a couple of albums as well but A year later, in 1991, Lookout Records released a compilation album containing the debut album 39 Smooth, as well as the EP's A Thousand Hours and Slappy, titled A Thousand Thirty-Nine Smooth Out Slappy Hours. Okay. Yeah. Did you think that that was just just their first album? No, I haven't looked at that at all. I haven't listened to anything pre, like, their 92 album. Kerplunk? Yeah, I think Kerplunk's the earliest I've listened okay. to from them. Okay. Uh, just because I like Green Day. I don't get that big into pop punk from that era much. I'm more of the 2010s yeah. generic pop punk shit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I I love the uh, 1039 Smooth Out Slappy Hours. It's, you should check it out. It's it's I mean, a name. It's, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much Kerplunk, but less polished. I mean, because okay. they were even younger. Yeah. So. And Kerplunk's a good album. Yeah, Kerplunk's really good. And then later the same year, they released Kerplunk and... 1992, uh, but by this point, the band had gained such fame in the local punk scene that Kerplunk sold over 10,000 copies in its first day, <laughs> which is fucking insane for an indie band. Yeah, a punk band in 1992, when yeah. like, grunge was yeah. still grungin'. Yeah, still grungeing. The band went on tour, and eventually the sales of the album climbed over to 50,000 copies, and now that number has reached over a million, making the album certified platinum. Wow. So, yeah, it's one of the best... Indie records, like indie label yeah. records, ever, like best selling indie. Uh, probably I would say the only bands that would do better is probably like what Dinosaur Jr. and tegan and Sarah. Maybe I I don't know if you know I haven't looked into much of you know because I feel like indie is yeah. kind of a genre that it's not really can, a genre. Yeah, either. it can encompass. I mean, people call stuff indie that's on major labels. It's yeah, kind because of they have the its own. indie sound. But yeah, I think either way. I, I know that Smash by the Offspring is. I'm pretty sure the highest selling indie record of all time oh that's surprise like smash is a really good album yeah i I would not call it the best selling indie like if i didn't know i wouldn't quite like seen that yeah don't quote me on that but i'm pretty sure it's definitely up there but yeah so realizing that the rapid success of the album was too much for lookout records to handle the band signed to reprise records this move to a major label caused the first of many controversial moments for the band as the East Bay scene saw it as a betrayal of everything the scene stood for and accused the band of selling out as one of the rules of Gilman Street was no major label bands. Green Day put on one last performance at Gilman Street in September of ninety three under the pseudonym Blair Hefts before being permanently banned. So yeah, it's not not a popular move to sell out for sure. So Yeah. Yeah, so that was the first of of many many trajectories Green Day's career took. And their major label album, or major label debut album, Dookie, came out in February of 1994. Although it sold slowly at first, with only 9,000 copies within the first week, it eventually became a smash hit, peaking at number two on Billboard 200, eventually obtaining diamond status and receiving critical acclaim, winning a Grammy for Best Alternative Album, and has gone on to become considered one of the greatest pop-punk, punk alternative and just albums in general of all time. Yeah, it's a really time. important album. Yeah, it remains the band's best-selling album. But really, mm-hmm. I would have given that to American Idiot. No, surprisingly, wow, well, yeah. well, Dookie's still. I mean, I guess it has longevity on it. Ten, yeah, ten extra years of longevity. It's true, it's about ten. It does have exactly ten more years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, classic, iconic album. The band's next album, which is my personal favorite album by them, released in October of nineteen ninety-five, Insomniac was written as a reaction to all the early fans of the band that were angry of Green Day's move to a major label. It was darker, faster, more abrasive, cynical compared to Dookie, which, you know, kind of more of an upbeat pop-punk album. This leaned more towards a hardcore punk sound. Yeah, I mean, it received positive reviews, uh, and it peaked on number two on Billboard and became certified two times platinum, but it didn't maintain the sales endurance of Dookie. It also furthered their unstable fan base because, you know, you had old fans that thought they were sellouts that weren't on their side anymore then they gained a whole bunch of new fans from dookie and then these new fans that they gained from dookie kind of were expecting a part two of dookie yeah they so, got something completely different. yeah so you know it was like i said it was heavier more abrasive i mean i think it's as catchy as dookie but yeah it's a really good album yeah it's a great album but you know, I could I, I could understand being like Ugh, especially you know if I wanted something a, different yeah like they gained a huge influx of middle school and high school fans I would imagine from that shit being played on the radio all the time so yeah it's definitely definitely threw some people off and it kind of kind of started their downward trajectory that they went on for a while of uh, kind of falling away from the spotlight. And the band's next two albums, Nimrod, released in October of 1997, and Warning released in October of 2000 continued the downward trend of their popularity, with Numrod peaking at number 10 on Billboard, being certified double platinum. In the morning, it peaked a bit higher at number 4, but it was the band's first major label release to fail to achieve at least double platinum status, only reaching gold. Wow. Which is a pretty pretty stark departure. You, yeah. know, you have three albums in a row that are double platinum, at least, and then you only get gold. That's a pretty big departure, I mean... Again, two great albums. I love both of those albums, yeah. especially. Warning is a really underrated album. I think Warning might be one of their best albums. Yeah, really. I mean, it's it's very hard for me to really everything pre 21st century breakdown is one of their best albums. Yeah, the 21st century breakdown still uh, yeah. we get to it. It's, yeah, still, it's good. It's yeah. still an okay album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say my top three are probably Nimrod, Insomniac, and Dookie, but Warning isn't isn't that far off. The two releases added tons of stylistic changes into the band's sound, with Nimrod generally being an alternative rock, pop punk album, but having elements of folk, ska, surf rock, and even hardcore to the band's pop punk formula. With harmonica, violin, horns, and string sections being found within the album. So it's pretty pretty versatile album. Yeah. It also featured the band's most commercially successful single today, good Renance, time of your life which is everywhere yeah graduations proms funerals yeah uh being it was the featured on the second to last episode of Seinfeld as the background music oh. to a clip montage huh. so yeah that song that song was everywhere, still is everywhere, and I mean that also probably furthered. You know, their divisive fan base. Yeah, this is very like, oh, look at these sellouts. Yeah. They're losing, making money. Yeah, losing credibility. They made it, which the song was written, I think, before Dookie, if you didn't know that. I think okay. I think it was written, um, yeah, because there's a demo of it that was from 93 or something like hmm. that. I don't, I don't know if it was intended to be on Dookie, but it was written in the, you know, the be, be, era. between Kerplunk and Dookie era, somewhere around no. there. Uh, And then Warning, which found the band at their least commercially successful state, is essentially a folk punk album containing the least personal songs the band had to date, with a lot of the material being political and social commentary. Yeah, like, I think Minority is probably the most well-known song from this album. Yeah, for sure. And it's a good fucking song. Yeah, it's a great song. Though both albums were well-received critically, this commercial slump Found the band struggling to find their place in the eye of the public as punk rock was out of the mainstream with the rise of new metal. So you know all those all those uh, early '90s pop punk bands that blew up were kind of. I'm gonna say it. They should have just asked Fred Durst to join the band. <laughs> Fred Durst and Green Day. Fred Durst and. Gr- Don't act like you would not listen to that. Durst Day. Yeah. Dur- Durst Day. Fred Green. Fre- Fred Day. <laughs> it's <laughs> National Fred Day, guys. In 2003, the band finished recording material for a new album with the title Cigarettes and Valentines. However, the master tapes were stolen from the studio, and Green Day decided to start from scratch and ended up writing American Idiot, which, you know, probably was a Uh, blessing in disguise. Did they ever find those master tapes? Yeah, it's, well, it said that in like 20, I want to say 2014 or 15, it said that they found most of them... And they said that they were planning on doing something. With, they they ended up releasing uh, cigarettes and valentines. I don't know. did they? Yeah, it was it was a while ago. It was a few years back. Okay, let me get off of saliva. Is yeah, it on Spotify? It's a yeah. It's a pretty. If I remember correctly, it's a pretty good song. There's actually kind of a I guess urban legend that that's a farce. That whole story is was just them. Um, I don't know why people would think that they would lie about that. I guess to make it seem like oh they struck inspiration because they got their shit stolen. I don't know. Yeah, that seems like a, a terror, like a dumb thing to lie about. Yeah, I don't really know why it's a thing, but people are like, oh, did they really, were the master tapes really stolen, or did they just, it was shit, so they just abandoned it. But either way, I mean. No, like, I mean, it'd be cooler if you were just like, oh, yeah, we just wrote this really sick album about hating Bush. Yeah, I mean, either way. It's you like, don't need a cool story around it. It was 2004. Yeah. Everybody hated Bush. <laughs> yeah, the fucking Rock Against Bush albums. You ever seen those? Yeah. With, like, Rise Against and shit on it? Rising, it's really eight Bush. Yeah. But yeah, so, released in September of 2004, this proved to be the right move as the album breathed life into the band, becoming by far their biggest success since Dookie, becoming their first album to peak at number one on Billboard, became six times platinum, winning a Grammy for Rock Album of the Year. Style-wise, it sort of returned to the band's punk roots, adding kind of a classic rock, uh, rock opera feel, yeah, like, it is like very feel. Very rock op- I mean, there was that, a uh... American Idiot musical that yeah. we got to go see. Yeah, we that saw was, that. It that was, was really cool. It was pretty sick, actually. Yeah, they there was at some point a rumor that they were going to make a movie of it. And I it never... wish they would. I know there is a. I believe there's one official recording that was released. It was on <laughs> official. Recording it was either a recording while. of the uh, American Idiot musical, it was either an oh. official recording or a documentary about it. That was on Netflix at one point. Yeah, there remember. was. Yeah, I think there is like a. I don't know if it's on Spotify, but I think you can listen to the. I'd like to watch a video of it. Of it. Yeah, know, it's just like, hey, uh, if anybody has a shitty uh, cell phone recording of that musical, please email it to us. Yeah, <laughs> at one last breath pod at gmail dot com. Email it. <laughs> uh, we will cover the musical if you do. We will cover the musical. <laughs> I don't know if that qualifies. Maybe maybe uh, on a bonus episode, special episode. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have a sub podcast where we talk about talk about musicals. Yeah, just musicals. Yeah, I've, I've only watched about three in my life, but you know, <laughs> somewhere to start. But yeah, so, big return of form to the band, um, you know, like a rock opera, some of the songs multi-part, overarching story. What most uh, people think of when they think of Green Day, honestly. Now, yeah, I mean, I feel like most people about our age or younger, you know, if you're just a casual Green Day fan, I mean, I guess maybe casual fan of music, I mean... Growing up in the early two thousands, this shit was on the radio everywhere. everywhere. Like everybody knows "Wake Me Up" when September ends, "Boulevard of Broken Dreams," "American Idiot." Title track. Like probably about half the songs on the album like have life outside of the album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I I remember um, the first time I heard Green Day. I'm pretty sure was in Tony Hawk's American Wasteland because "Holidays" on there. Yeah, yeah. And I fucking love that game. Like, maybe it's probably one of my most controversial gaming opinions. Like. I, that's by far my favorite tony hawk oh, game thug I, two. I don't i don't care if the if people say that that's where the col- quality started dropping off i don't know like the soundtrack's just fucking awesome the like, soundtracks are always awesome with tony hawk yeah but i, I feel like that one especially like yeah. it had mcr covering astro zombies i want to say yeah or maybe teenagers from mars one of those two misfit yeah. songs since it's fail covered an old punk song can't remember what it was uh fall Out boy covered start today by gorilla biscuits mm-hmm. like i had a bunch yeah. of newer pop punk bands. it was a really bands. cool yeah and then i had soundtrack. then i had a bunch of like i mean you know the classic tony hawk like yeah. really old punk songs and shit like obviously tony hawk soundtracks were an important part of a lot of a lot of people's lives for getting into punk and metal but that one especially like when i heard holiday i was like what the fuck is this and of course that was maybe i guess about a year after American Idiot came out was when that yeah game, I think it came out About in 05. 05. maybe yeah. maybe early oh six maybe so not too long after and I mean I think I had heard Boulevard of Broken Dream. you know the more the bigger songs on the yeah. album. but after I heard that I was like I need to fucking I need I need more and I had my brother download the whole album off of Limewire Limewire I just kind of took took my fucking love for Green Day to the next level and I got into all this shit but. So yeah, the the lyrics take influence from warning, kind of, you know, the Mm -hmm. political, but turn it up a notch, telling a coming-of-age story and, and at the time, the current state of America. The album has gone on, like Dookie, to be considered a classic and one of the greatest albums of all time in many regards. In in May of 2009, 21st Century Breakdown was released, sort of continuing the groundwork that American Idiot laid, telling another political-themed story through a rock opera. The album reached number one on Billboard, which was kind of surprising to me. I was like, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. remember it being I remember. That big. I do remember. Um, my mom used to always every morning, around this time she was going to school for I don't remember what. Something but, um, singing or something. I think it was medical coding. Yeah, maybe. But she was um every morning when I would wake up for school she'd have the VH1 music videos on, and I remember specifically this. Mu- I remember specifically the music video for um, Twenty One Guns. 21 Guns was always on there every morning. Yeah, that was a big song. I'd say... Uh, But the rest of the album, I mean... I mean, there was... Know Your Enemy. Yeah, Know Your Enemy was pretty big. um, Viva La Gloria. Yeah, I think that was a single. But But, I'd say really the only two hits were 21 Guns and Know Your Enemy. Yeah. In terms of, you know, being all over the radio. Uh, And and they were were also the most American Idiot songs on the album from what I remember. Yeah, maybe. But... It's been a while since I've listened to this album, but... But yeah, it's uh, that was surprising to me. I mean, I I knew it was big, and obviously the hype of American Idiot would make anybody. But you check think out that like next. a five-year gap would lower some of it, But <clears> I guess not, because American Idiot was a huge hit. So yeah, people were like, "Oh, more Green Day." Yeah. sick. Yeah, and it went on to be certified platinum. Um, although not receiving the critical praise of its uh, predecessor, it got generally favorable reviews. Uh, for some reason, I wrote that a reached number one on Billboard, and became platinum twice in this paragraph. <laughs> it's just that important. It's that important. You were that surprised. It, yeah, I was shook. But it won a Grammy for Rock Album of the Year, so that's fucking three of their albums that have that have uh, won a Grammy for, wow. for Album of the Year. And then at the end of 2012, the band released a trilogy of albums, with Uno coming out in September, Dosen coming out in November, and Trey coming out in December, so which you got Green Day for 3 out of 4 months to in in 2012. As much as I think these albums are kind of mid, uh I I like Trey. I like Trey a lot, actually. But the joke of Uno dos Trey, I understand why they did it. Yeah. It's too it's too powerful yeah. to not make that joke. But I think I think it's, overall they're kind of mid albums. Yeah, I mean uh X-Kid is an incredible song. I mean, when they came out it was pretty much like the height of my Green Day obsession was probably 2011 to like 2013-14 was like when I was at the height of being obsessed with them. And when these came out, I remember at first liking them a lot, but then over time I was just kind of like, eh. I haven't really listened to it much since then, but when we were listening to Father of All to prepare for this, I decided to go back and check out, listen to all of them, and listen to Revolution Radio to kind of Fresh in my thoughts because you know 21st century and everything before I have listened to so much I could fucking play the entire yeah. album of all those in my head front to back like I I've, I've just listened to those so much in my life but I have to say the trilogy isn't as bad as I remember like I was expecting to like it even less uh, I think they're 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 mid albums but a mid album from Green Day is still one of the best pop punk albums ever written yeah like I would say. I mean, a lot of people say Trey is their favorite, but I, Uno is my favorite, honestly. I think it's uh, I've, really I've, just the hype of X-Kid. Because X-Kid, like, made some rounds on Tumblr. Yeah, it did. Um, And also in the the Rocksmith community. Oh, I yeah, mean, I remember being on Rocksmith. Um, that X-Kid was, I believe, one of the official DLCs that they released. Yeah. Uh, made a little bit of rounds in that community, which probably made people be like, Oh, well, I've played this on my guitar a thousand times, I might as well listen to Trey. Yeah. Yeah, Uno... Is probably my I feel like my liking of them goes down with each album. Like I like Uno the best, then Dose, then Trey. Okay, I'll have to but, give Uno and Dose another shot um, then. But I mean, the trilogy it takes a step back from the bigger scope rock opera of American Idiot and 21st Century Breakdown to showcase a simpler pop punk style, remis- reminiscent of Dookie or Nimrod, with slight differences in style between the albums. You know, Uno leans more power pop, Dose garage rock, Trey kind of stadium rock esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Which yeah, I mean, I feel like if you take the best songs from all three, like you would have a pretty fucking. Yeah, they could great probably album. have made a really good album, but they were just like, we'll just do three pretty okay, pretty mid yeah, albums. Yeah, yeah, because Uno, I really love the very beginning, and then it kind of—I wouldn't say it gets awful, but it starts to get kind of, yeah. kind of too similar. See, towards what the what end I of would it. have, what I, what I probably thought—I don't know if this is true, mm-hmm. but like it would, it would seem to make sense if like all of Uno was written by Billy Joel, Joe. All of Dose was written by Mike Dern. All of Trey was written by Trey Cool. But I doubt that. Yeah, that, yeah that's... Would, that would make sense. But I think Billy wrote probably most. Probably all... <laughs> I think he's the main songwriter. Yeah, yeah. And Mike's Mike's wrote a few songs, I think. And then Trey wrote some funny songs. Yeah, me. All By Myself. dominated yeah. Love Slave. Yeah. We need a Trey solo album. I think he wrote the part on um, Homecoming that he sings. You know, I got our rock and roll band. Yeah. I got a rock and roll. You know that part? He does have a rock and sing... roll band. Yeah, I, I think he wrote that part. <laughs> okay. Um, Billy Joe Armstrong likened the albums to the process of partying, saying Uno is getting ready to party, Dose is being at the party, and Trey is cleaning up the mess. I don't know <laughs> that I would call Stadium Rock cleaning up the mess. Stadium Rock feels like the part of the party where you accidentally, like, someone was just like, hey, I have Molly, and you were like, yeah. I wasn't planning on doing Molly, <laughs> but fuck it's, if, uh, and then you're like, why the fuck did I just do Molly, I have to work in three hours. Yeah. The trilogy was mixed to positively received by critics and fans, with Dose actually having the highest average score among critics, which is really surprising because of, among the community of Green Day fans, Dose is definitely the one that gets the most shit. Okay, I think because yeah. because of Fuck Time. <laughs> which, Wait, there's a song called Fuck Time. Yeah, I mean, I I actually think it's a pretty it's a pretty oh, decent yeah, song. I, I mean, the lyrics are pretty cringe. Okay, I'm looking at these. Uh, song titles, and they're not the worst mm-hmm. Green Day song titles, but uh, Lazy Bones. That's a good song. You, you probably know that one. I think it was in, probably. I think but, it was in Rocksmith. But the name of it? Yeah. Lazy Bones. It makes me think of that one King of the Hill episode. Oh, wait, No, no, I'm thinking of Stray Heart, not Lazy oh, okay. Bones. But it makes me think of that one King of the Hill episode where the uh, the neighbors move in with the uh, Bratty Kid. He starts calling Hank oh dusty old bones full of green dust. Yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> like kid was a menace. Catchy, catchy nickname. <laughs> it makes me think of that fucking TikTok trend now where. It's making fun of the people that are like, oh, I push 80 hours a week. Yeah. It. And it's like, you got soft hands, boy. Soft hands, brother. You're like, that's what... You got lazy bones, boy. <laughs> that's kind of surprising to me because among the fans, Dose is definitely the one that gets shit on the most and Trey's the one that receives the most praise. But I think Trey actually had the lowest average score among critics. Nice. Well, well, the, so, but I mean with... In, in the punk scene, critics and fan reception it, is usually pretty opposite. Yeah, and plus with the trilogy of albums released that close together i feel like i don't know it's kind of hard to gauge it because yeah. you know you have people that would be burnt out by trey which i mean i don't know it's it's kind of it's kind of hard for whenever you have that many albums in a in a short span to have, have a general consensus between critics and fans yeah because i mean it's probably the same critic because like usually there's like a couple critics for each, like, genre in big publications. Mm-hmm. So, like, it'd be the same critics covering all three albums. Yeah, yeah. And I would just, I mean, I would get burned out as a fan, but if I had to do a whole write-up yeah. on this, I'd be like, holy fuck. Like, yeah. if, we, if I had to do all three of these albums this week, yeah, the notes would get progressively worse as it went along. Yeah, I was thinking whenever we first started this podcast and we're coming up with our first episode ideas, I thought of doing the Uno trilogy- just because I knew it more than Father of All, because I had only listened to Father of All once, and I was like, "Wait, I don't know if I really want to have to go over fucking fifty yeah, something songs or whatever." Let's see, that's um, I mean, maybe not fifty, probably more like thirty something songs, but fucking still, that's like each album is the... so Trey and Uno are both about forty five minutes, mm-hmm. so that's an hour and a half, and then you have another thirty two minutes from Doze. Yeah. That's two hours of music that we would have to listen to multiple times. Yeah, that's a lot. Too much. But yeah, many felt that there was too much filler. A few really questionable songs, mainly uh, Fuck Time, just lyric-wise. And then uh, Nightlife, if you remember that one. That was the one that yeah. had the rap in it. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I And uh, killed the DJ, people were kind of iffy on it. Another random thought uh, with your filler thing. I really hope that a single critic... Uh, made the point to call this album uh, no killer all filler no killer all filler um because I, I think that that'd be really that'd be really good yeah but yeah, general consensus between fans at least was a great album could' have been made by taking the best tracks from the three so i mean i I'd agree with that like i said i mean there's there's some really good songs i mean especially for me on uno and dos like there's some i would say top shelf grande day songs like um let yourself go, is a banger. Um, I like stay the night. Nuclear family, uh, nuclear Stop, family is good. Stop when the red lights flash. On dose, X Kid. You know, there's yeah. there's some really great there's songs some good songs. You yeah. should have been one album. Yeah. <laughs> Side note, I remember when Oh Love was the first single from Uno to be released, and I remember it was in twenty twelve and I was in seventh grade I think and I was in art class and our teacher would play music while we worked on our art and I remember it came on, and so many kids in the class were clowning it for some reason. And I was like, in my corner, sad. I was like, I was like, they're making fun of my favorite band. How do I cope from this? And then Gogolm Style came on, and everyone proceeded to be like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> Truly, the most depressed kid in art class. Yeah, I, I was so oppressed. They didn't, they didn't like the Uno trilogy. <laughs> the <one. laughs> yeah, Uno debuted at number two on Billboard. Dose debuted at number nine, but it became the first. Uh, major label album by the band to not sell at least 100,000 copies in its first week only selling around 69,000 nice. nice fuck time <laughs> I, f- I feel like that's that's pretty that's pretty uh, apt that's for, pretty apt for Green Day yeah and for that album to have a song called fuck time and it sells 69,000 and then Trey debuted at number 13 and set a new first week uh, sales low by the band at around 58,000 copies so I mean yeah people were kind of like mm-hmm. uh, yeah I'm getting tired yeah so Starting with the trilogy, fans of the band, at least the hardcore fans, have begun to feel like the band was kind of running out of steam and just phoning it in, you know. And then Revolution Radio came out in October of 2016, featuring a more focused effort than the trilogy. Though not a rock opera like American Idiot and 21st Century Breakdown, its main focus was still political commentary revolving around the state of America at the time. It debuted at number one on Billboard, receiving positive reviews from critics, and even ended up on a few end-of-year lists by publications including Rolling Stone. After the release, the fans were pretty high, viewing it as a return to form and looking forward to what the band had to bring to the table in the future, which <laughs> was not a good preview of that, but I don't know. It's when I, Like I said, I listened to the trilogy and Revolution Radio after listening to The Father of All a few times. And I didn't like Revolution Radio as much as I did when it came out. Like, I was with the fans when it came out. I was like, oh shit, like, this is really fucking... I mean, it's still a decent album, um, but... I haven't actually listened to Revolution Radio, except I think I've heard Youngblood. Yeah, you've probably heard uh, Uh, Bang Bang. That was the main main single from it. Um, It, it, That's a really good song. It's a really fast-paced, pretty after 21st century breakdown i just stopped caring about yeah I, I was getting into more like like i said the generic pop punk yeah. i stopped caring about these old heads yeah but yeah i was surprised because whenever revolution radio came out i i bumped that shit all the time like i was you know it, it sparked it sparked uh my interest in green day i guess again like yeah. a lot of fans i was like oh shit they're back on it like uno was uno trilogy was just kind of uh departure that we're stepping away from but i have to say if i guess i would take uno my favorite in the trilogy i would listen to it over revolution radio i'm not gonna lie which is surprising for me to say but i mean still not a bad album but it just doesn't hold up as much for me personally but now we get to the subject at hand (laughs) after uh 30 minutes yeah Father of All, released in February of 2020, debuting at number four on Billboard. February what? Huh? February what? Like what what day? What day? I don't know. I didn't write down the specific days. How come? I swear to God, it's on my birthday. Oh, shit. I might end it. Oh, shit. That's my 13th reason. (laughs) Yeah, check into that. Um, But yeah, debuting at number four on the Billboard was really surprising to me. Debuted at number four. Yeah. Oh, thank God! It was twenty days before my birthday. We're okay. good. That's good. Um, the album, as mentioned earlier, is an attempt. I would say at simplistic garage rock style with traces of glam rock. Kind of just a whisper of the pop punk grunge days. It's an attempt it. at being the White Stripes. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah. It's it's an attempt to at make a lot of bands, and we'll get into that when we get to the track by uh-huh. track. The reviews of the album were pretty mixed uh, Mostly leaning negative Everything about Father of all motherfuckers is lazy States in uh, I I wrote this weird I said states in a one and a half star review Somebody stated that in a one and a half star review For Sputnik Music Forgot to credit them for that It begins with the self-referential American Idiot Album cover which features a unicorn Exhaling slash vomiting rainbows whilst forcefully blowing flames out of its ass the music is befitting. Oh, that's, that's. I thought that was its tail. Yeah, I didn't even. I realize. did not pay very much attention <laughs> to the album that. cover. I was too busy. <clears throat> I just didn't want to look at it. Yeah, honestly, the music is befitting of said artwork, as even the staunchest fan would <laughs> would have an aneurysm trying to figure out what the hell the guys were thinking on this one. So yeah, I'd say that's a pretty yeah pretty accurate review. Jordan Blum from Pop Matters said in a five out of ten review. Green Day retained their performance chops on Father of All, so the issue isn't that their playing or singing has gotten weaker. They've lost none of their enthusiasm or technical skills. What they've lost, though, is virtually any sense of originality, intrigue, or pertinence. It doesn't appear like they have anything left to say, or any new way to say it, so they rely on sounds and sentiments that became Old Hat long ago. Another fair fair assessment. One thing I'll say about this album: it sounds like it was released in 2006, yeah, and not in a cool, like, nostalgic way. Yeah, in a we had a thousand of these albums yeah. by ten thousand different bands. I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll you'll agree with this review then. This is this is probably my favorite assessment of the album by Anthony Fantano of the Needle Drop. I watched his, uh which I'd seen it oh, before. Oh, bald man bad. <laughs> bald man bad. Melon. I just love those memes. Yeah, melon. Uh Yeah, I don't agree with Fantano on a lot of things. I don't but, agree with Fantano on most things. But I think you'll but... agree with him on this. He said, he he gave the album a strong zero to light one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Port- I didn't know you could do a zero. <laughs> yeah, putting out. This is everything that made Jet, the Moon Suzuki's, and the Vine's bad. This is the reason we stopped listening to these groups. This is everything Green Day wasn't doing during that same era of time. And now less than 20 years down the road, they're literally just doing it. Which is essentially what you were saying. It's like, I would take Get Free, I would take an album of 12 identical versions of Get Free. Or Are You Gonna Be My Girl? (laughs) Over a single song off this album. Yeah, I I would too. I would listen to Get Free and Are You Gonna Be My Girl on repeat for 24 hours before I would listen to anything off this album. I agree. Um, where was I at? Oh, yeah. But there were a surprising amount of positive reviews. Why? Yeah, why? I don't know. Uh, Were they all done by Helen Keller? (laughs) Sorry, I can't (laughs) think of any other famous (laughs) deaf people. (laughs) Um, Beethoven, wasn't he deaf? Or wait, no, he was, wait. I think he was deaf, I think. Maybe maybe Bach. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I know. I know a lot of blind people. Not not too many. Yeah. not too many deaf people. Um, <laughs> I almost said Ray Charles, but like he can hear. <laughs> <laughs> he can hear. <laughs> um, uh, in a four and a half star review from Julie River at punknews.org, dot org says, "Where Revolution Radio was devoid of soul, Father of All Motherfuckers is absolutely bursting with soul. Sometimes, literally." Ending the review with Father of All Motherfuckers as a danceable, feel good pop album with some really stellar songwriting and after it, the impotent Revolution Radio and the ludicrous Uno Dos Trey trilogy, seeing Green Day branch out a bit and succeed at something different is refreshing. It's a sign of artists or it's a sign of artists with a great deal of range and imagination who are far from done surprising us. And I think the only person <laughs> with a great deal of imagination is this reviewer. Oh yeah, fuck it. Okay, so I just want to point out that the same reviewer gave Enema of the State in a that in a retrospective review three and a half stars. The, they gave Father of All Motherfuckers a whole star better than Enema, the Enema of the of Fucking the state. state. Yes. Like I I know taste is subjective, but like if you're and most of her reviews were of pop punk, like Alt rock album, so very much in this wheelhouse. It's like yeah. if you're a fucking fan of pop punk, and you think that this is better than Enema of the Fucking State, like what? Well, I are mean, you they can't really be about? compared because one is a pop punk album, and the other is, is a they, garbage fire that was released to the public. It's a g- garage rock revival, revival twenty years later album. <laughs> or like, garage yeah. rock is the I would argue the one genre we don't need a revival of. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to point that out because after seeing that, I was like, I have to. And and she said that, um, warning was her favorite Green Day album, which respectable, well, opinion, respectable, yeah, yeah. yeah but I, I'm like, just what the fuck? <laughs> like, how can you say that? I am probably like in of the state. I would say with Dookie are like either could be number one for the best and most influential pop punk album. In ever. of the state sold with Carousel, right? No, no, that's, no. uh, that's their first album, Buddha. Sorry, I, mean, no, I know No, Inima of the State has fucking all the small things, What's My Age Again, Okay, cool. See, Song, Dunk song. The me. problem is, I get Inima of the State and Take Off Your Pants and Jackets, like, conflated with each other. Mm. Because, like I said, I'm not into this era of pop punk as mm. much. It just all kind of blends together. Yeah. Yeah, Carousel is their all all really first good. album. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like a... Come... Okay, we're not talking <laughs> about them. They haven't released... <laughs> they haven't released a bad album that we're talking about yet. Yeah, yeah. that we're talking about yet. <laughs> But yeah, that just that just fucking boggled my mind. I was like, "How like like I said, it's music is subjective, but how the fuck?" Can there are you... some fa There like there are some facts about music, and one of them is that this is not a four and a half star album. Yeah, and you I, can like, like this album and know it's not a four and a half. I album. Mean, you can album. fucking give it four and a half stars for all I care, but don't rate it higher than Enema of the State. Like, yeah, it's. <laughs> uh. All right, getting past that. um... Between the juvenile and uninspired songwriting and lyrics of uh, mockery of an iconic album artwork and general regression in all aspects, the album didn't stand much of a chance to be welcomed into the hearts of Green Day diehards. The eye roll- inducing promotion of the album worsened the sour taste the album left in everyone's mouth with, "Here get this." There were billboards advertising the album with the statement: "No features, no Swedish songwriters, no trap beats, hundred percent pure. Uncut rock. Hell yeah, brother! <laughs> this is very like <laughs> boomer. Th- not only is boomer it boomer, it's another thing that has uh, recently come back into the cultural minds with the whole. I'm not even going to say his name. Uh, the piece of shit who was arrested in uh, Romania. I'm not going to fucking say his name. I'm not going to give him the fucking platform. Uh, I have no idea who you're talking. Huh? i'll tell you after okay, <laughs> okay I'm, but, <laughs> I'm, um, I'm utterly confused <laughs> we we are seeing a rise of pick me ass people mm-hmm. and that's how that is the most pick me ass thing i've ever fucking heard yeah that's just like and it's it's it just kind of it's disappointing because here let me let me go to this this is in my notes um yeah this which i i hadn't heard this quote before um Looking at, you know, going through, doing the research for all their albums, this was said about American Idiot. Uh, Billy Joe said that they let contemporary music influence them in the making of American Idiot, including rappers Eminem, Kanye West, as well as Linkin Park. Armstrong considered rock music a conservative business with regard to the rigidity in which a band must release a single, create a music video, or head out on tour. He felt groups like the hip-hop duo OutKast were kicking rock's ass because there's so much ambition. So it's like for you to say that about, you know, at the time being like, yeah, rock. It's too conservative. Like too many people stuck in their ways. We need to get influenced, do our own thing, get influenced from hip hop, and then for fourteen years down the road, or however long, to be like no trap beats, pure uncut rock. Like it's like what the fuck? It's like that's literally so throw the fuck up. I know that's so hypocritical. It just, I don't know. It's like, come on. It's like you guys have never been ones to do what is expected of you. You know, you sold out, quote unquote. You incorporated all these different styles, and it's like for you to be shitting on the trends of music and to be like, we're not, you know, it's just, what the fuck? And unfortunately, this is them doing what's not expected of them in the worst way possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, like, nobody expected a trash fire. Yeah. We expected at least a, like, an album that is listenable. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh... (laughs) God, this is even more fucking cringe. Before the album, Billy Joe posted on Green Day's social media, uh, saying, This record is the new, exclamation mark, soul, Motown, glam, and manic anthemic. (laughs) Like what? That sentence ends there. Man- man- that it just ends there. Well, I mean, there's more, but okay. that's like man- manic and themic. Like what? You just listed genres and manic and themic, Period. The P- there's a full stop there. Punks, freaks, and punishers. <laughs> and the the way this is, you know, I can't I can't really convey it on the podcast, but the way like I I copied it down in my notes, exactly how it was posted on the Facebook. It's just like a cut up of. Like it's it looks. This like, is the ramblings of a man, man. It's the ramblings of a fucking sixty-five-year-old woman on Facebook who posts minion memes. Like, like this is how boomers. You like will that. not take my granddaughter. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, the dirty messy, the <laughs> the stink. <laughs> I, that okay. That is a, that is an accurate description of the album. It is the dirty messy, the stink. I like how the stink is capitalized. Uh, The lyrics are like a party and lifestyle of not giving a fuck. The life and death of the party. (laughs) Not political. Surviving in chaos. The real shit. Me, Mike, and Trey of The of the Green Day. The Green Day. They're like a fucking boomer talking about Kroger. I, I shit you not. I literally copied and pasted this. This is exactly how it was fucking posted. On, I hate on I didn't think that I could <laughs> lose more respect for them. The Green Day. That reminds me of fucking Finn McKinty, Punk Rock NBA, how he says he likes making people mad by... Uh, calling lead singers of bands the name of the band, like seeing, uh like like oh yeah I ran into uh, Green Day at the airport today he was a cool guy <laughs> that shit's so funny to me but yeah the Green Day cut through the bullshit that's how it's always been for us everything else is fake frauds I tell ya <laughs> rock has lost its balls we're g- we're gonna teabag all these motherfuckers. <laughs> I can't with this. Reading it out loud is even fucking worse. Oh my god, are we, are we ready ba- for fucking track by <laughs> track? I can't, I can't listen anymore to the quotes. The baddest rock band on the planet that gives a shit. Glorious, or glorious anarchy seems to be the word that keeps coming up, that reflects. And then all of this is, um, each, you know, it's, it's, a uh, each its own line. Dancing, tribalism, anxiety, joy, violence, drugs... Booze. Dangerous songs for dangerous kids. Why did he just start list like doing a shopping list at the end? <laughs> Eggs, milk, cheese, <laughs> oh. drugs, ghost. <laughs> okay, on SpongeBob where yeah. he's, he's trying to hold up the shopping <laughs> and then uh our motto, question mark, question mark, nothing says fuck you like a unicorn. <laughs> Love and kisses, Billy. I I fucking can't. I, I can't. Like, what? I don't... I hate that. (laughs) I hate it so much. Oh, man. Okay, well, we're done with that. Recently, the band has teased a new studio album with a possible (laughs) possible release this year. Presumed to be titled 1972, a a reference to the year all three band members were born. We can only hope it will be better than whatever the fuck this was supposed to be. (sighs) So, yeah... Now let's get into a track by track after okay, uh, really? after having that quote dropped on you. Nothing says fuck you like a unicorn, okay, brother. So the, fuck um, yeah. The uh, the title track, which for some reason has an ellipses at the end. I don't know why they felt they need to add that. Wait, does it? Yeah. Let me see. Yeah, it's Father of all dot dot. dot. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's like yeah. a fucking... a fucking grand, Okay, never mind. I see now the album has the dot, dot, dot. I just didn't... Well, I, I that. think okay. it's because Motherfuckers no, is a okay, censored. But, I think um, it's in place for the censoring. So Father Hall uh, is literally just Blue Orchid by the White Stripes. Mm. Uh, if the song made you wish that an electric guitar was not something that, le- that had ever been invented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. But the intro riff and drum pad- pattern is literally exactly fire by Jimi hendrix yeah yeah Um, it literally is the same it's it's even the fucking drums where it's like yeah you know it's it's, possibly the least inspired rock song i've ever heard uh, yeah and goddamn i'm i'm so glad he did not fucking do this on the rest of the album the high-pitched vocals he does oh yeah for the verses jesus fucking christ like that's like it's the like White Stripes thing. I know, but it's God. I'm so glad. Like this would have been even worse if he did that again. I was so glad that he didn't. He didn't do that. It's just so it, it sounds like this song sounds like a local car dealership couldn't afford the rights to fill it still by Portugal the Man. You know that song? Yeah. Like he does the same exact vocals. So they hired a mediocre band to write a song for their commercial. Like, let's have Russell Nissan for you. Yeah. I got it going on but yeah literally it, it sounds like car commercial music like it's, I don't, yeah it's terrible. i mean a lot of this album does but i feel like this yeah and then the, we'll get to the other song that i think does but it's just like what the fuck but i mean when he sings normal in the choruses the song I like he's admit, still a, is, he's still a talented yeah he's like i got paranoia baby like yeah it's not bad it's, it's not the worst yeah like that's one of the, it's not great. Yeah, but I mean, the it's, chorus for this song is probably one of the best. It's one of the good parts of the yeah. album. Um, fire ready aim. I don't. The chorus is a little, a little catchy. Yeah, I mean, this this song is not bad. I don't have a lot to say. It's it's. Uh, I'd say it's out of all the songs on the album, it's the most similar to stuff Green Day's done in the The, past, the problem is I the the intro guitar is some of the worst guitar I've ever heard. Well, I I can't recall it, but... I, I can't I, recall I, it right um, now, because it's been I a while since I've... I mean, if you wrote it down, then I believe I wrote it. It, it was <laughs> terrible. Um, the vocal melody is too simplistic to have any sort of, like, redeeming qualities, or bad... Like, it can't be bad, but it can't be good, because yeah. there's not much substance. Yeah, I had to listen to this one a bunch of times, because... I think it, I listened to this one the most. It's also really short, and I feel like... Yeah. I feel like, for me, the vocals were really low in yeah the mix yeah they are to the other songs um, i couldn't really just, tell what he was saying yeah, it's kind of just a big fucking chorus yeah there's no substance here yeah did you know it was uh the official theme song for the nhl in 2020 <laughs> did you know that <laughs> i mean it makes sense i i guess I mean, I fucking guess, but they would have been better off just continuing with Limp Biscuit. Yeah, like continuing with Limp Biscuit. I I, I just assume that the NHL plays the Nookie at every game. (laughs) I did it all for the Nookie. Yeah, Um, the Nookie. Oh, yeah, uh, is the first song in the album that could be salvaged, I think. I think you can salvage Oh, yeah. You think so? Um, Other than the chorus. I think you can salvage it. It's kind of just pumped up kicks but with less lyrical content. Okay. Yeah, it um did you, it samples a Joan Jett song. Oh okay. A, a Joan Jett cover of a Gary Glitter song. Do you
1: About know who?
0: who? You, oh, oh Gary Glitter. You don't know who that is? Do I want to? No, you do not, but I'll tell you anyway. Oh my god, why? He was a he was a glam rock artist in the seventies who had like I guess like a pretty big cult following um like he was Oh music- so he's like a friend of the Pod Lou Reed <laughs> friend of, friend of the Pod <laughs> So I mean he he was a pretty popular uh music figure in the 70s um but at some time in the 90s he took his computer for repair <laughs> at a computer shop and child um, porn okay. was found on it Okay yeah mm. so that was a pretty the band was pretty criticized for... I mean, even though it's a Joan Jett cover, that's still kind of... Yeah, yeah like I mean, there's, sampling. like... There is separating the art from the artist, and then there's uh, uh, pedophiles. Yeah, which, I mean, they did... uh, They did something, like, donated a lot of money to uh, some sort of foundation for protecting... Chi- I, it was something like that, but it, it was after they got the criticism from it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. you could you could... Claim, you know, a knowing. It know, could be uh, ignorance, but also, ignorance, like... Yeah, claim ignorance, but also, I mean, if you're being inspired by Glamrock to make this album, like, you fucking know Gary yeah, Glery You are also, you know, like, alive when that happens. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm sure they listened to that when they were fucking kids. So, yeah. But, yeah, that was... That's pretty much all I got from it. Like you said, I mean, it's not it's not a god-awful song. It was not a good song, yeah. You know, um, meet Me on the Roof? <laughs> On the Roof, brother. Uh, it's an Arctic... This is an Arctic Monkey song. <laughs> this is just the Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. Uh, no. Except for the fucking Sock Hop-ass part. <laughs> sock Hop. Me, me, Yeah, It's just, oh, like, yeah, fucking, yeah. like, 50s me diner the- roof shit. Yeah, yeah. 50 diners, 50 diners music <laughs> Diners like, roof. This is a song from Greece. <laughs> yeah, this would be in a jukebox at your local diner. And, okay, at this point of the album, I have to say... How many fucking, like have to be in a fucking album. It's Listen, We only need clapping in one song and it's you it's, Sorry, it's, you're not the winner, Rainer Shikari. That's it's it. it's literally in every fucking song yeah. except the only one that I'm not entirely sure that it's in is Fire Ready Aim. Yeah. It still might be. Yeah. I think it I think it is. It, 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 it either it's, is it's, or the snare does the same thing. But it's, yeah. it's the same rhythm the da da da, yeah. da 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 but other than that song it's so pertinent throughout the entire fucking album like every fucking song on this album has a clapping part uh, why I, I think at some point i just started ignoring it which is why they're not in my notes yeah like it's it because now that you're saying it i'm like yeah you're right but I didn't fucking connect the dots it just stuck out to me because I, I i knew that you know a lot of this album is very derivative and formulaic so after i noticed it in a couple of songs i had to go back and i was I was like, I need to keep track of every song that does this to point it out, and it's every it's fucking every song, song. like every song. I understand the want to have a nice clapping rhythm. I mean, in your especially song. for like, a garage rock. But I mean, but that is very, but that is something like you have in your song. You have like one song, and then you do it at live concerts. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a live, like oh look, we have this cool da 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 that you can do to every song live. Yeah. But like, don't fucking record it. I know it's in. An- Every fucking song Do you think they wanted to do other clap rhythms But they ran out of money To record the uh, professional clappers Professional clappers (laughs) I mean probably (laughs) They just went to their Their local uh, chapter of the uh, The uh, The fucking uh, clapping guild (laughs) (laughs) clapping guild I was gonna say um, Their local golf course (laughs) Is Golf claps (laughs) Yeah, you know, there's one guy that just wanted to yell "fuck" the whole time. But yeah, I mean, "Meet Me on the Roof" another shitty song with bad lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the sock hop part is kind of catchy, and there's a pretty nice drum fill. I do remember that. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, like that one review said, like none of this album's performances per se are awful. It's I mean, the, it, the it, writing it, is it, the problem. Yeah, like none of it's noteworthy. None of it's exceptional i would say but it's derivative it's like lacks substance yeah and i will say (laughs) much to my dismay like once you listen to it the songs get stuck in your head (laughs) yes i was literally after the fourth time maybe like after i got all my notes done and didn't have to listen to it anymore it was stuck in my head all this entire past week every single song on this album at least one part from every song yeah. got stuck in my fucking head Yeah, it's it was incredibly like, catchy god damn it which i mean green day is known for making very catchy songs so i had to i've been kind of on a little green day binge recently of listening to, to try to get that other good of album. yeah, yeah. To, to get the good good songs stuck in my head cuz i could not fucking take it like how many times in my head can i hear meet me on the roof tonight like uh, ooh, ooh 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 especially um Take the Money and Crawl and Junkies on a High I kept getting stuck. I don't know why. Those two kept getting stuck in my head for some reason. Yeah, And, and it was only one part from every song. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't recall. I mean, it was mostly just the chorus. Yeah, I don't remember I've most ever... of any of these songs. Yeah. But I remember the ready aim, firefighter, ready aim. Yeah, whatever. Fire, ready, ready aim. Like, yeah, so. Um, I was a teenage teenager. <laughs> Unfortunately, to my dismay, <laughs> This is my favorite song on the album. Okay. To my fucking dismay, it okay. breaks my heart to admit that. Your IQ breaky heart? Yeah, um the lyrics are terrible, I don't know who they were trying to pander to. Uh but I would I just who constantly is I'm trying to just pander constantly to? in my head it's like I don't want to scare like what is it? I don't want to do 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 but I cannot lie. Oh, um it's like who's hiding the drugs? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, it's like and it's like woo, woo woo in the background the little organ, Yeah, canvas. like it's really catchy. This whole song is like this whole song is catchy. Okay. It really reminds me especially the chorus like the I was a, a teenage teenager. Like the way he says it reminds me of the Ramones a lot. Um, I think but it also just a, a slowed down. I think it might also good. supposed to be a play off of "I Was a Teenage Anarchist" by. Um... Yeah, that was pointed out um, by Against Me. Against Me, yeah, yeah that was ten pointed ten out, and um, I was reading on Genius for something that was pointed out. Uh, that I mean, Cause, like they no have... source of it, but they've toured with Green Day before. Green yeah. Day supported Against Me before, so um, it's, it's like it's not the same vocal melody, but "I Was a Teenage Teenager" as opposed to like. I was a teenage anarchist. Mm-hmm. Like, they're kind of in the same vein. Okay. I've always listened to that um, song in a very long while, but... The solo of Teenage Teenager, though. I don't If even, you want to fucking call it I don't, it don't a... even remember. Um, <laughs> well, I'll give you a hint. You know the chorus? Uh-huh. Imagine if the guitar played that instead of him singing it. I mean... <laughs> that's it. No, that's the whole thing. I mean, Green Day has done that a lot, but... They it's, usually it's, add a little bit. Yeah. They usually add a little bit. yeah. There's nothing added. Like okay. usually, I'm fine. I like solos where they take a part of the vocal melody and use that, but then they go into something like that's in the same vein, but maybe a little faster, maybe more guitar solo. Uh-huh. It's not. It's just da 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 da. Yeah, I mean the song is literally the same word for word, same exact verse twice. And a chorus three times with the little solo, quote-unquote, yeah. between the uh, last two choruses. So it, it's literally word for word, the same verse twice, it's really, same chorus three times. I mean, it's like, <laughs> like this song, like, this album is very repetitive in its songs. It is. And that's why they're so catchy. Yeah, I guess so. And then Stab You in the Heart, uh, this is my favorite song on the album, i have to say. It... I feel like this is the song that definitely sounds like it could have came from Dose and in turn is the one that sounds the most how Billy described the album of being. I feel like this is the most garage rock. It's, I think it's more of a blues song. I mean like I mean, it's it's just I mean it's like a it's like a twelve bar blue. Yeah, it is it is twelve bar blues. Yeah, it's not yeah. like it literally, it literally is the is. twelve bars blues. Yeah, so this is something that I learned to play on guitar ten years ago when I got my guitar for the first fucking uh-huh. time.
1: Yeah, I mean I could play
0: the song. Ten years ago, before it was released. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I, I've the i the, the most. solo is pretty good. Yeah, solo is pretty good. It's, yeah, it's not a bad song. Yeah, it's not at all. Um, it sounds really similar, which a bunch of people have pointed this out to Fuck Time. Like, mm. it, Fuck Time is also just a twelve-bar blues song. I mean, you can only use solos with twelve bar. And it which... has like that surf rock esque yeah. kind of guitar line, like that... yeah, pretty decent solo. I've... I mean, it's it's my favorite song on the album. <laughs> like, um, isn't saying much. I'm, I'm not going to go out of my way to listen to it, but yeah, like i have never listening. I was a teenage teenager again. If I had to but. pick, if I had to pick the the rainbow unicorn shit out of <laughs> out of the shit pile, then this would be it. Yeah, um, Sugar Youth is uh, simply the worst Ramon song you have ever heard. The worst Ramon song. That's what this is. I would say it's the most punk, pop-punk song on that. Like, it has the most punk drive to it. Yeah, but it's also one of the most uninspired songs on the album. Did you catch that it has a part that is, in the chorus, that's exactly the same cadence as She's a Rebel from American No. You didn't catch that? I, as, so- as soon as I heard I, it... I started checking out in this song because it was uh, so boring. Yeah. As soon as I heard it, I was like, wait, hold up. And I went to YouTube and, of course, everybody else points that shit out. But, yeah, when he says... Got the shakes and I'm on fire. Got a feeling and it's dangerous. It's exactly like she's a rebel. She's the same. Sang- You're right. You know, she's assault like, salt I, of the earth. I heard and she's like, dangerous. I've heard this yeah. summer before, but I don't know where I've heard right. it. Yeah, but, yeah like, he said he says dangerous in both both songs. Yeah, the exact okay. same Okay, it's the same um, cadence. But this song is boring. Like I, the most boring song on Lulu was more interesting than this song. Oh God. <laughs>
1: and I mean, the most boring songs song on Lulu like was minute. ten minutes long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: But yeah, that's, that's the main thing I got from it. I was like, I mean, there, there's songs in Green Day's back catalog that will sound similar to previously released songs. By yeah. Them. I mean, that's going to happen with any band. But that was exactly, like exactly. exactly the same fucking chorus <laughs> from She's a Rebel. But Junkies on a High, um, you made a comparison to Arctic Monkeys earlier, this song for me, uh everything I said about Father of all, how it sounds like you took Portugal the man, Mm -hmm. feel it still feel feel it still and had a shitty band cover it for a car commercial, that's that or this song is that, but instead it's AM by the Arctic Monkeys. Like any song off of AM by the Arctic Monkeys is this song is exactly like that. I have a different comparison for this song, actually. Um, I'm going to read you verbatim what I put in my notes. Uh, this is just a rapless 21 Pilots song, in parentheses, negatively. Negatively? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see it being somewhere to 21 Because it kind of has, like, a, a little bit of a hip-hop influence I mean, sound yeah. to it. I, I mean, mean know, that's kind of Which why is it's... really funny with yeah. the fucking Billboard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, um... That's kind of why it reminds me of anything, like, especially, um... I think it's "Are You Mine from Yeah, uh, A.M. by the Arctic Monkeys that has that, like, boom, phew, boom. Yeah, the phew, uh, 808. Yeah, like, the beat to it. Like, this song has that, and, yeah, it's pretty ironic. I could just see fucking uh, What's the Name 21 Pilots coming in and talking about his car radio for another three minutes. <laughs> but um, people, a bunch of people, which I didn't catch this myself, um, I first heard it, Fantano said it on his review, but a bunch of people in the comments have said it, that... It sounds like Boulevard of Broken Dreams, in a way. Yeah. Yeah, Fantana said that it sounds like if you got someone to cover Boulevard of Broken Dreams that hadn't heard it since it came out and didn't hear hear that until last night. Oh, wait, what the fuck? I completely fucked that up. That someone that hadn't heard it since it came out, and uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear that until I went back and listened to it. Uh, and I was like, what the fuck? Um, it it exactly like it. Yeah, it also has those piano stings in mm-hmm. it that are both out of place, but also barely mixed in. Like, they're so low. Like the synth part? Yeah, it's yeah, just like it, the piano It sounds sting. like fucking Still Dre. Yeah. It sounds exactly like... But, well, like, exactly. they're, they're mixed so low, you can barely tell they're there sometimes, but yeah. they're still distracting. And mm-hmm. I, it's weird that it's both distracting and barely there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the vocals are... Like, this whole album. This is the only time I think I actually put it in my notes. The vocals are fucking overproduced. Mm -hmm. They are. Like, the only person who has more autotune on their vocals is (laughs) T-Pain. I don't think there's autotune. There's just so much compression. It doesn't sound like a person is singing sometimes. Okay, take the money and crawl. Not that bad. Yeah. The main riff, it sounds exactly like... Do you know Blue by Nirvana? off of um, Bleach? Yeah. Yeah, it's the... The main riff for this song sounds exactly like the chorus riff and the vocal cadence of Blue Rider Bonnets. Okay, like, it's like dun 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 it's it's literally the same exact thing. It, it, it's, it's same exact thing. <laughs> I on, if you if you told me that, hey, Jack White wrote one of the instrumentals on this album, this is the one I would have picked out. Really, it sounds like an unreleased, like a, an instrumental that Jack White wrote. He's like, I don't, this isn't good enough to do anything with. You guys fucking want this? Mm-hmm. I can see that. Uh, But yeah, I didn't. Also, didn't notice until I wore headphones, listening to this. Like, you know, both of them. Yeah. Did. But on the take, you know how he's like, take the money and crawl. There's like a weird glitch effect on his vocals in that. Okay, it's, it's very odd. Like it sounds. It sounds almost like it wasn't even intentional weird i don't know how to describe it but it's like uh, 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 like it sounds like somebody was taking his vocal mix and like shifting it back and forth while he was saying it (laughs) mike shinoda in the studio like fuck yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it doesn't it doesn't make sense within the context of this album i don't know why the fuck they did that there's a little bit of lead guitar that was cool but it was buried in the mix Mm -hmm. um like a lot of like garage rock this album's mixed pretty fucking poorly. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, and then the last track, Graffiti. Okay, the interprogression mm-hmm. is literally beer for my horses. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Okay. It is 100 percent beer for my horses. Just the you said the progression of what? The intro progression. It's an intro? Um, and the okay, verse it... is uh, kind of beer for my horses like too. I can't even think of how how the intro starts. Um, the only part I can really recall from this is the chorus. I I can't I can't pull it out. <laughs> you head. can't pull it out. Like, like... I'll I'll show you after we done recording. I'll fucking show you. Okay. A lot of people, which I I thought this too when I first heard it. It sounds similar to I thought I thought the law by the class. Yeah. And also, people pointed it out it sounds like, um, I think, I think it's Money, Money by Billy Idol. You know, the song that's like, I said, yeah, 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 it's, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I fucking watched, have you ever seen, this is a side note, but have you ever seen Fargo? No. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it, yeah. I watched it for the first time the other night, and everybody in it has, it takes place in uh, Fargo, North Dakota, yeah. and also in, uh, somewhere in minnesota i think but so everybody in it has a very heightened uh midwestern accent. yeah so they'll just be talking and they'll be on a phone channel you know. they'll, they'll just be like yeah yes yeah, so yeah. they, they sound like uh bobby's mom from bobby's world yeah pretty much or fucking some sometimes there was this one dude one of the cops sounded like arnold Schwarzenegger. he was like <laughs> he was like yeah yeah so <laughs> like, um what the fuck <laughs> Uh, So Graffiti, like, it has both a chorus and what I would kind of call a refrain, which are are different musically, which a lot of people, like, there's no reason to know that for most people, but, like, the chorus, forgetful, forgettable. mm. Uh, The refrain, which is, like, the slower piano, like, the slower part, it's a little more interesting. Mm. I wish they would have explored that sound more on this album Mm. instead of uh, Jack White. Yeah. This one's kind of... To me, it seems like they're trying to achieve something that could kind of belong on American Idiot or 21st Century Breakdown. It sounds like they're, it it feels kind of like they're trying to do the, um, the whole, here's a song that can be split into five parts thing that they did twice on American Idiot. But in a, I mean, I think it's the longest song on the album, but But it's it's, still only like like three and a half minutes. I think it's four minutes. Maybe, Maybe. yeah. But It, it it does kind of, like. Is kind of split into separate parts. Yeah, guess, but like a You really need nine minutes to do something like that. Yeah, and it's also the only song on the album that has any lyrics that aren't just cringe. I mean, I'm not saying they're good lyrics, but they're they're not just basic like, cringe filler. They're cringe. at least you can tell that he at least like tried to write something. Yeah, there's a concept to it. Yeah, and apparently it was something about. Here, wait. Let me let me go to Genius actually for this because I I would not have known this if I didn't look it up on Genius. It says it is. About Rust Belt factories in the 80s getting closed. And about black kids getting shot by Chicagoan police officers due to prejudice. So... Important uh, things to talk about. Okay. Well, the Rust Factors, I don't know. Yeah, I don't maybe, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't... But I mean, that's... Probably poor working conditions. Yeah, but I mean, that's literally nothing like anything else that's on this album. Everything else is just like, oh, yeah, I was a teenage teenager. Yeah, everything, everything else is just like 18-year-old party music. Yeah, exactly. But... Yeah, it also has a really weird honky-tonk-sounding piano come in around the two minute. Did you hear that? Yeah. It sounded like some Leonard Skynyrd fucking piano. I was like, okay, I don't see how this sounds in the song. <laughs> you keep Lynyrd Skynyrd's name out of this fucking thing. <laughs> Skinner. did you see that, the, uh, uh, Gary, what, is it Gary Rossington? I don't know. The only remaining original member died. Oh, damn. About a week ago, yeah. That sucks. I think it's Gary Rossington, the guitarist. Isn't that the guy who, like, crawled in a broken leg and almost got shot by a farmer? maybe i don't know but i i know that he i know he was one of the guitarists and i think he was the like because they had like fucking three guitars. yeah i think he was the only one left of the original members okay, and he, he passed away about a week ago. yeah but yeah hell yeah scannard brother <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean his yeah. album is fucking terrible i have two uh, lyrics that I would like to point out as being particularly off the wall. And okay, bad. you want to get to the bad lyrics first before before our favorites and least favorites? We can go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I we can do favorites and least favorites. My favorite, okay, teenage teenager. My least favorite, the rest of the fucking album. <laughs> All right, I can't be mad at that. I <laughs> I got a th- I got three favorites, which that's. Use that had to be very, hard. Yeah, that's 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 used very loosely because, like I said, Stab You in the Heart is the only one I would consider a favorite, quote-unquote. The other ones, Fire Ready Aim and Take the Money and Crawl, are, to me, the two other least offensive songs yeah. on this album. I mean, Fire Ready Aim doesn't have time to be offensive. Yeah. It's like a minute and a half. Yeah, but if if I had to pick three songs on this album to... Like be forced to listen to for the rest of my life every fucking day, it would be these three, and then my worst songs, which again is used loosely because about everything else on the album could be in the worst three for me. But Junkies on a High, Graffiti, and Meet Me on the Roof. I just I don't know. Yeah, except for the sock hop part of Meet Me on the Roof, that (laughs) is actually the most. That is weirdly the most. On the roof tonight. That's weirdly the most interesting part of the album. (laughs) But yeah, those all although all my favorites and least favorites are not. I mean, you know, <laughs> my favorites aren't anything noteworthy. My least favorites aren't any worse than any of the other bad parts of yeah. the album. It's just if I had to pick three for each one, yeah, that would be and that's it. why I didn't even try to pick. Yeah, um, respectable. Oh, well, speaking of meet me on the roof, that is where my first uh, notable lyric comes from. Okay. Um I'm hanging with the Cholos. (laughs) That's literally my first Yeah. Yeah, I heard... I was like, did I hear that fucking right? Me too. I was like, did did this man literally just say Cholos in a fucking song? Like, what? I don't think you can say that, Billy Joe. I think think it's a little, like, racially charged. I mean... I don't know. I don't know. I don't... Hopefully not, because we just said it. But <laughs> well, I was quoting him. No, yeah, yeah, like it's not like a slur. Yeah, but, but I don't know. Just I'm hanging out with the cholo. Like yeah, sure. I'm, I'm sure you've you've hung you're, out with Latino gang members. Billy. You're at the sock hop <laughs> hanging <laughs> out with the cholos. Okay, yeah. all right, okay. I mean, Good for you. Cool, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure maybe back in the early days of Green Day, that was yeah, a possibility. I'm, I'm they sure were, he was hanging out were, with some pretty rough people. You know, there were some maybe little not punks, the, punks living on the streets. but Maybe now, not at the sock hop. Yeah, it's like now you're a 50-year-old 50, 50 man. A 50-year-old multi-millionaire. Multi, yeah, I don't think you're hanging out with cholos. But yeah, I'm hanging out with the cholos, cruising down the strip, sleeping on a pillow, waking up in spit. <laughs> like... Okay. <laughs> cool. Like Understandable. Have a I break. I guess he just went on a fucking bender and woke up at the sock hop. <laughs> okay. I mean, hey, if I was on the bender and I woke up at like 4 p.m., I'd go to the fucking sock hop and get a burger and a milkshake. Yeah. Hmm. We've said sock uh, uh, hop more times in this episode <laughs> than I've ever, ever said it. in my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I was a teenage teenager, I am alien visitor, my life's a mess, and school is just for (laughs) sucker. I also got something from Teenage Teenager, and it's the first line of every course, which is, I was a teenage teenager full of piss and vinegar. Yeah. Full of piss and vinegar. Which, like, I guess what he's trying to say is that he's been drinking shitty wine. I guess. Because, like, shitty wine is basically vinegar. Yeah, but... I don't know. I don't know, just him saying school is just for suckers, it's like, okay... I mean, my brother in Christ, you dropped out of school at like age sixteen to be in a band, and you got lucky. Yeah, (laughs) I only know one other person who got that lucky, and it's the banjo player for Hank the Third and Hank the Fourth. Okay, he dropped out of school to go tour Europe with Hank the Third. So, like, fuck yeah, yeah. But like, most people, hey kids, um, important message from me and also uh, Sam Eagle from the Muppets: stay in school. Don't don't do school. Stay in drugs. Uh delete the gym, hit your wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> a divorce Facebook. <laughs> Alright, you got another lyric? No, I just had those two. Oh, lyrics. okay, okay. Everything else was like so uninspired and boring. Yeah, I got I got a few more. I got um from Sugar Youth, like a high school loser that will never ever ever fuck the prom queen. Well, <laughs> uh, okay. Cool. Why are you 50 years old talking about a prom queen? That's a little sus, Billy. That's a little sus. And then uh, also from Sugar Youth, I want to drink all the poison in the water. I want to choke like a dog that's on a collar. I am the child of Coyote and Banditos. I'm drinking whiskey by the river doing yayo. (laughs) He really wants to be part of latin culture <laughs> yeah like what he's like, white Tolo, right those banditos he's like really really white right he's not like maybe mixed somewhere that i don't know about i i don't think so i feel like maybe his i, I don't i'm not gonna say he's any part hispanic i want to say maybe his father has like eastern european ancestry okay maybe? so like spicy white don't, don't quote me on that. I feel like I've heard that before. Yeah, I don't know. let's see if. um. Oh, wait, okay, here we go. I'm on Wikipedia. His great grandparents were uh, Italian immigrants. Okay. Okay, so he's like part, like probably 25% Italian, so <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, he grew up in rodeo. No, in rodeo. Rodeo, okay. Oh, okay, I read that as rodeo culture. Rodeo. Okay, so it's not rodeo culture? I get it. Rodeo? That's just a city, baby. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure living in California, he was around him. Yeah, also, I'm sure. Like the culture, but but like, that doesn't he... mean you're part of it. That doesn't mean you're part Coyote and Bandito. Like, yeah. What. Yeah, I don't... But yeah, I just like how he said doing yayo. Like, anyone under the age of 30 calls cocaine yayo. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that meant. you never heard that before? No. Really? <sighs> Listen, I... I don't think about the names. Well, you just do it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and then I got from Junkies on a High. My pride is my pornography. Kool-Aid's my motto. Oh, yeah. Did you How did I that? miss that? Yeah. It, it's The vocals are so overproduced mm. and so low in the mix. It's really hard. I, and, like, I didn't feel like combing through genius for this whole fucking album mm-hmm. to find stuff. So I just got the two things that I actually caught. Yeah, I heard... On my own, I heard Kool-Aid's my motto, and I was thinking, you know, that's cringy enough on its own. Like, what does that, what does that even mean? I kind of perceived it as drinking the kool like the metaphor, drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, maybe. And I was like, I don't really know what this means, but then I looked on Genius, and I saw that it says, oh yeah, after it, so he's literally saying Kool-Aid is his motto, oh yeah, like the Kool-Aid man breaking through the fucking wall, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and perfectly, that lyric... Leads me to my final opinion on the apple. Wait, I got one more. Oh, you got for one you. more. Yeah, I got six uh, for this one instead of five. God damn! Wow, <laughs> this one's pretty straightforward. From "Take the Money and Crawl," so you can take my, you can take a walk, or you can suck my cock. <laughs> Did you not catch that either? No, I heard that the first time I heard it. He's just like, so you can take a walk, or you can suck my cock. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck, Billy? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'd rather take the money and crawl, but okay. <laughs> Holy fuck. Um, so the, the the references that nobody un, like under the age of 30 would get mm-hmm. uh, really leads me to believe that this is an album that is pandering to nobody that has ever existed or will ever exist. Yeah, the only people that I could see enjoying this album are divorced dads yeah and very hardcore fans of green day like even more hardcore than i am like if you have if you just... have uh billy joe's t- uh signature tattooed on your forehead think you're gonna fucking love <laughs> yeah. this shit. but you already know that yeah but i don't i don't know even then i mean a lot of hardcore green day fans hate this it's just I mean, I guess the ones that think they can do no wrong. I mean, you know, there's there's some sort yeah. of every fan base that I thinks mean, that they can do no wrong and everything they do is gold. So. People love when their favorite band releases a bad album because then they have more to defend. Yeah, exactly. And like people feel feel like they're useful when they're defending an album that's bad. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, and then and then the YouTube comments. There was a lot of people like, "Oh my God, this is so great!" And it was all you could tell it was all like. 12, 13-year-old kids. And... Who had never heard something like this before. Yeah. Because they weren't alive yet. Yeah, and there was also a lot of, like, comments from European people. Because <laughs> mm. you could tell they were either talking in different languages or just or just had, like, uh, you know, like their profile gave it away. And yeah. I feel, I feel like European people are more forgiving for me. When it comes to music, for some reason. Well, they had that big bubblegum pop phase, which uh, yeah, unfortunately we can't talk about because most of those albums did pretty good. Yeah, but it, it's always weird to me. I feel like when there's a shitty album or song by a band, the only people that are praising it are uh, European, Eastern Europe, you, and Brazil. Yeah, just, that's that's pretty much what all the comments that were like. It was just like so amazing. Go Green Day, rock on with the and double like, horns. Good, good emoji. for good for them I for just, finding something good on these albums. Yeah. If, I'm, I'm not gonna... It's just, I mean, like, they... J- just don't rate it better than Enema of the State. Yeah, but don't, like, don't do that. <laughs> honestly, without Europe and South America, I don't think that we would have gotten thrash as big as we did. Yeah. They probably kept those bands alive for a few years until they hit the mainstream. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a big uh, metal scene in, in yeah. Eastern Europe. Like, bands that haven't been popular in America for 20 years do it fucking big yeah, over there. Yeah, they do it so. in Europe and South America. Yeah, so... We can thank them for that, but... Um, Metacritic, uh, the Metascore was 68% on 25 reviews from Critics, which... It's a little high. fucking high. User it's, it's, score was 4.7 4. out of 215 reviews. So just... 4.7 out of 10? Mm-hmm. Oh, thank God. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Not out of fucking <laughs> I was five. like, Is, this ten be 5. No. But um, I'd give it 3 out of 10. 1.5. 1.5? 1.5 out of 10. Okay. I give it, uh, if we're going percentages, I give it a solid 17%. 17% Okay Yeah it was hard for me Cause I was You know I would rather Cause so far What we've covered The only albums we've outright Fucking hated Have been this and Lulu Yeah and I would rather listen to this Than Lulu Well it's a lot shorter in, in full, Yeah It's a lot shorter I would probably go back To Lulu first Just to listen to the really funny parts Yeah But I would say I don't know I, I guess I, Cause I think I gave Lulu Like One and a half Or a two I don't, I don't know. I would have to. I would have to rate this a little higher, just because, like I said, I mean it. To my dismay, it was catchy. <laughs> it was really catchy, but <laughs> like, it wasn't trying anything new. And I think without originality, you don't get a good score. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Lulu, which, while it failed was original, was trying new things. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Uh, So I think they get, I think I gave them a little bit of extra credit for like trying for Lulu. Yeah, I think it's Um, important to say though that this was the last record for their contract on Reprise Records. So there's kind of a theory that they just pumped out the fastest piece of shit I I fucking hope so. I mean, think about it. The album's fucking 26 minutes. Yeah. It's like what album, that's, I think, isn't the lowest that you can make an album before, or the shortest you can make an album before it's considered an EP is like 25 minutes probably. I think it's 20 minutes. 20 minutes, okay. Because um, so I'm pretty like they sure you went above the threshold for what's considered yeah. an album. Uh, maybe it's 25, I don't know. But yeah, okay. That, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, so we can only it's, hope it's that the garbage. Yeah. Because um, I, I think their next album is being self Produce. Cool, and so, they have plenty of money for that. Yeah, so maybe uh, they just were like, "Fuck it, let's just put out what the fuck ever." I hope so. Yeah. Does I this really deserve so. one last breath? Fuck no. Fuck no. no. Fuck no. Oh, let it drown. Yeah, let it. I'll, I'll fucking push this shit into the deep end and <laughs> do a pile <Pottle> driver tombstone <laughs> on top of this fucking album. You're gonna hit with the stone cold stunner, and you're gonna drown about it. Yeah. This. I. Yeah, I can't. I can't say I recommend this to anyone. Not a single person. Not a single um, person. Like. Unless, actually, there is one person that I do think this album is for. Who? And it's for Jack White fans who <laughs> wish who wish that he had a bad album for them to defend. Because Jack White has not released a bad album. So uh, okay, if okay. you're like, yeah, this is the bad Jack White album, no one's going to know it's Green Day. I can't no say, one's going to believe it's Green yeah. Day. I can't say I've listened to any Jack White solo. Are you talking solo albums? or Just uh, just his of- career in general. Solo stuff. Uh, the Rantacores. The Rantacores. The White Stripes. The White Stripes. Okay. Never misses. I mean, I've, I think I've only maybe heard a White Stripe album, like maybe two of them in full. So I, I can't really speak on any of that. But I mean, I would, I would say if this was one of his albums, this would be his worst for sure. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could point that out as a bad Jack White album. Um, well, thank you for listening to uh, One Last Breath. We will see you next week with. It's a. Uh... <sighs> It's something. (laughs) It's something, yeah. (laughs) See you next week.